Welcome to the Josh Blair Ministry Podcast, a podcast all about bringing inspiration and encouragement to your daily walk with Jesus. We pray the message you hear impacts you as you follow Christ. Because worship, when you look it up, it means to give honor or respect or extravagant devotion and worth to something that is something or someone that is worth receiving it. That's what worship means. To give honor, respect, reverence, extravagant devotion to something or to someone that is worth it. So when we talk about worship in the, in the Christian context, we're talking about worshiping God. And as a, a follower of Jesus, I, I believe that Jesus is worth my worship. Would you agree? I believe that he is worthy of the greatest respect, greatest honor, greatest devotion, most extravagant expression of my worship to him because he is the ultimate. That's what I believe. He is worthy of it all. Would you, I don't think anybody would disagree with that, correct? If you're a follower of Jesus, you would say yes to that. If you're someone who believes that Jesus came to this earth, was born of a virgin, lived a sinless, perfect life, died a sinless death on the cross to take away our sin, our guilt, our shame. He died and then he rose three days later. He ministered and then he ascended back to the Father and now stands at the right hand of God interceding for us. You would say he is worthy of our worship, right? Amen. The issue is, oftentimes we don't live every day like we believe that. Would you agree? Could you say that's, that's me? We've all been in places like that where we, every day we're not thinking about the worth of Jesus. We've all been in a place like that before. I think there are moments in our life that we forget the worth or the value of Jesus and instead we're distracted by anything and everything else. Anything and everything else in this life that would desire to steal our worship. Now you would say, I don't worship other things, Pastor. I don't know what you're talking about. I ain't out there singing to trees or dancing with flowers. You know, I, I'm not out there doing that kind of stuff. But if worship means giving worth to something or, or, or saying this has a greater value to me than other things, then maybe you would agree that we do sometimes worship other things in place of or in substitution of Jesus. Would you agree with that? If, if we determine how we worship based on what we value most, there are times that we worship other things greater than, or we worship more things other than Jesus in our lives on occasion. And then we return on Sunday. If we, do, if we attend every Sunday, we return to, on Sundays and we are reminded that Jesus is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of more than just an hour and a half a week that we give him here. He is worthy of greater and more extravagant and more bold worship than what we would do just on a Sunday. But oftentimes throughout this life we find ourselves only worshiping God when we are gathered here together. When we sing these songs, when we sit and listen to a message, that's when we're reminded to worship. And I believe as followers of Jesus, we need to make worship a greater priority in our lives. Would you agree? Now, that does not mean that we have to walk around all the time singing songs. I don't, I don't expect us to look like we're in a Disney musical, right? I don't feel like, you know, no one has to be on Broadway singing out all the time. Correct? I mean, I love musicals. Uh, I didn't before. I would never have said that before until my, I met my wife. 
And then she took me to see Les Mis in San Francisco, and I was like, this is actually really good. And it changed my life forever. And now I can stand musicals, right? But I don't expect you to live a musical. I don't expect you to run around, you know, being like you're in the movie Enchanted where you're, you're skipping and you're singing and birds are singing with you and the squirrels are on your shoulder. Like, I'm not asking for that, and I don't expect that to happen. But I do believe that there should be moments in our lives on a daily basis where our lives are dominated by the understanding of the greatness of God. That when we encounter things in our lives, when heaviness hits us, when, when there's troubles and there's burdens and there's situations, instead of being overcome by those things, we are overcome. Our lives are dominated by the greatness, the understanding of the greatness of God in our lives. And when we can do that, then we can truly worship all the time. Because those things no longer will have the dominion and power over us. We are reminded of the God that we serve and his tremendous worth and value. Amen? I believe that as believers, if we make worship a priority, when we understand the worth of God, then we will be able to live out what Paul says in, in 1 Thessalonians. When Paul wrote his letter to the Thessalonians, he said this in chapter 5, starting in verse 16. He says this, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What is the will of God for you? He just said it. Rejoice always. Well, I don't feel like rejoicing always. Pray without ceasing. How do I even do that? Give thanks in all circumstances. Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about. That's not real life. Well, can I tell you that, that if we will understand the worth of Jesus, that no matter what is thrown at us in life, we will be able to rejoice always knowing that our God has everything in control. We will be able to pray without ceasing, remembering in our minds what God has done for us. And in everything, we'll be able to give thanks. That is the will of God for you. Because when God says, it's my will that you would do these things, that you would rejoice always, that you would pray without ceasing, that you would give thanks in all circumstances, what is he saying? He's saying that if you will see me for who I am, if you will know my worth and recognize the greatness of God, then, if you, I want you to know that because if you know it, then you can live victorious lives. Then the enemy can't come in and knock you around every which way when the hardships of life hit you. I want you to know me. This is what God's saying. My will is for you to know me. And if you know me, then your life would look like this. Because right now, I can be honest and say, I don't always feel like rejoicing. I don't always pray. I don't always give thanks in all circumstances. Right? When my wife gets mad at me for not doing the laundry, I'm not like, thank God, I'm learning. No, I don't. Like, I don't, I don't rejoice always in all circumstances. You know? When uh, my son has a blowout. Griffin, not Corbin, thank the Lord. <laughs> Three-year-old blowout, I don't even know how to handle that. It's a grown man blowout. I don't know what to do with that. But when my one-year-old has a blowout, I'm not like, oh, sweet Jesus, the fragrances of goodness. No, I don't, you know... I'm not that way, but, but I, can, I can honestly tell you that, that there are things when the hardness of life hits, because I know the goodness of God, I can, I can turn to him and say, God, I thank you that you're still with me when everything else has fallen apart. I thank you that you walk with me. You've not left me. You've not turned your back on me. I can rejoice always in all circumstances. I can give you thanks. That's what, I think that's what the Lord is wanting us to do, and that happens 
when we understand what worship is. That's worship. Worship is not just singing songs. Worship is not just what we've done up here this morning. This is an expression of worship, and we can grow in this. We can grow in our expression of singing songs, because the Bible does tell us to sing songs to the Lord. And we should grow in that, because that's, that's, that's an outward expression of an inward heart thing that God is doing in us. And that's why we sing, and that's why you see people raising their hands. That's why you see people crying, because they're, they are telling the Lord, I love you. I love you. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you for touching my family. Thank you for healing my marriage. Thank you for saving my children, right? It's an outward expression of the gratitude in your heart. And we can all grow in that, but worship also means that we have a consistent a, a consistent recognition of the greatness of God in our lives, and it's demonstrated by how we live. People should be able to see it. Let me give you an example. Let's imagine that, that there was an auditor who was required to audit your life, right? And they, they have to do an evaluation of your life, and they don't have the ability to talk to you. They can't sit down and have you explain every decision you make. They just have the cold, hard facts of how you spend your time. Okay? So this auditor, let's say they look at a, at a, a stay-at-home mom. They look at the stay-at-home mom. They see she, she gets up in the morning. She gets her kids ready, gets them fed. She does the dishes. She's cleaning the bathrooms. She's washing the clothes. She's making sure that she's prepping out the meals for the week. She's cooking. She's doing all that thing, right? The auditor would step back and say, from what I see on how this time is spent, I believe this stay-at-home mom values her family and her children, right? It's evidenced by how she lives her life. So the auditor can make that decision. Maybe, maybe the auditor audits a baseball fan, right? A Giants fan, the best fans in the world. And he says, and if you don't agree with that, become a Giants fan. So, so he looks at a Giants fan. He sees all the games that they're watching, all the games that they are attending, driving to San Francisco that time to be there has all the merchandise decked out in all the great gear, knows all the players' stats, knows what's going on, knows who's in AAA coming up, you know, knows the injury, knows everything about everything. Talking about playoffs, even though the Lord needs to grant us mercy to get there, right? Talking about all this stuff, the auditor would step back and say, this person values baseball, right? So this is kind of the example that we're looking for. If, if an auditor was to audit our lives, what would they say we value? What would they say we worship? Because what we value was what we worship. What would the auditor say? Because I believe how you live demonstrates what you worship. Can I say that again? How you live demonstrates what you worship. So what do you spend most of your time on? What are you thinking most about throughout the day? Chances are if someone were to audit your life, they would be able to see what you value based on where you spend your time, where you spend your attention, where you spend your money. If family is a value to you, then you make family a priority. If the Word of God is a value to you, then you make the Word of God a priority. If work is a value to you, then you make work a priority. Are you following me? It all demonstrates it. But here's what I want to tell you this morning. To make worshiping Jesus the priority of your life. Make it the top priority of your life, worshiping Jesus. Make it a priority. Does it mean that all other priorities are bad? No. It just means that Jesus should be the top. 
It just means that he should have the, the first of our lives instead of being on the back burner. And when I can get to it, I'll get to it. And if I don't get it to it today, well, God understands. It's kind of like the idea of tithing. It says it's first fruits. I give to the Lord first, and then he allows me to have everything else at the back end. The 10%, and I have the 90 to do what the Lord would want me to do with it. But I give it to him first, because if I don't give it to him first, it won't be there when I try to give it to him last. It won't be there. It's like Sabbath, taking a day off of rest. If you don't, if you don't make that a priority, if you try to save it, well, when I can get to it, I'll get to it. I'll take a break when there's not so much to do. Well, you'll never have a break, because you've not made it a priority. And the same thing is true with worship. If you don't make it a priority, if you don't designate time to do it, you'll never have time to do it. Because everything else in this life is consistently biting for your attention. We live in an entertainment-soaked world. There's always something to do, always. You can stream Netflix 24-7. There'll always be something there for you to watch or something for you to do. So you have to make worship a priority. And when you make it a priority, then things begin to shift in your life. Things begin to morph and move in your life. In fact, I believe that Jesus, see Jesus, he told his disciples when he was teaching them, he, he gave this illustration, he said, you love me so much that it seems like you hate everything else. He says, if you don't, if you don't hate your mother and hate your brothers and hate your sister, hate your father more than you love me, then you don't, you don't really love me. Not, not, he wasn't saying go hate your family. Some of y'all check, right? That's not what he was saying. He's like, hey, my brother, amen, I got a, me and my brother got a beef. We got to f- figure it out in the parking lot after church. No, he's not what, that's not what he's saying. But he's saying in comparison to how you love me, it would appear that you hate everything else because your love for me is so dramatic. But the beautiful thing about that is if you love Jesus with a pure heart, you love him with all your worth, your, his love flows actually through you and you love people better. You love your neighbor better. You love your spouse better. You love your kids better. You love that, you, you love that annoying coworker more. So Jesus is saying, if you'll make me a priority, then everything else is going to work out for you. I'll make sure of it. And I want to give you five reasons why we need to make worship a priority in your life. Are you ready? If you're following along in the YouVersion Bible app, those are marked down here. If you want to take notes, you can do that. Here are the five reasons why we need to make worship a priority in our lives. The number one reason is because worship involves surrender. Worship involves surrender. To truly be a follower of Jesus, you must surrender your life to him. When you, when you accept Christ into your life, we say that we accept him as our Lord and our Savior. He can't be our Savior if he's not also our Lord. See, in America, we have a hard understanding with that because we don't understand kings. We don't really know that we're a democracy. We, like, we have the power, the power to the people. We don't understand to have what it means to really have a genuine ruler. But in the old days, if a king came to conquer a people, see, a, a king would come and he would say, if you pledge allegiance to me, then I will give you the benefit of being in my kingdom. I'll give you my protection. You'll make, I'll make sure you don't, you don't starve. You have food. You have all these things. But you have to swear allegiance to me, and then I will save your life. I won't slaughter you. You can just surrender, right? That same understanding is when it comes to Jesus. If we say, Jesus, be our Savior, he says, okay, you, if you want the benefits, you have to also let me be in charge. Of your life. You have to surrender, so I have to be your king. I have to sit on the throne of your heart, nothing else. 
So you can't have him to be Savior and save you from your sin if you're not also willing to surrender to his lordship. He has to be in charge. There's no other way. There's not two kings in our lives. There's just Jesus. He is the king of kings. So worship involves surrender. It helps us surrender our lives to Jesus. To receive his forgiveness and love comes with the recognition that when we're in charge, we screw things up. When I'm in charge of my life, it becomes a mess. But if you're in charge, then I'm blessed. I just decided to make that rhyme, and I'm pretty proud of myself. <laughs> Somebody better write that down, because that was good. That was, the, that was like a revelation to my heart. But this is, what, this is what Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 12, verse 1. It says this, I, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship or your spiritual devotion or your spiritual honoring of God or your spiritual respect and reverence towards God. This is what it means. It means to lay down your life as a demonstration of worshiping Him, meaning that you die to your own wants, die to your selfish desires that aren't pleasing to God, and instead you seek to know Him and you seek to love Him. That's a, that's a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. You say every day, God, I choose not to do what I want to do, but I choose to follow you. And if you continually and constantly do that, then your want-tos, what you want to do in life, becomes the things that God wants you to do in life. But when, at the beginning, you have to crucify. You have to kill those things in your life. You have to choose to lay them down as a sacrifice so then God can transform your life. Maybe that doesn't sound exciting. That doesn't sound like, hey, you know what? I was waiting for that message. I wanted to lay my life down. That doesn't sound exciting, but it is what it is to get to in relationship with Jesus. It's not a, uh, a, a gospel of like, hey, you can accept Jesus and still do whatever you want to do. No, he transforms us from the inside out as we choose to lay down our lives and say, God, if I stay in charge, I'm going to screw it up. If I, if I still do what I want to do, I won't have real relationship with you. That's what he means. Number two, worship puts our focus on God. Worship puts our focus on God. True worship is based on the desire to honor God. It requires a personal revelation of God found through his word. It's not based on personal preferences. It's not based on, well, I didn't like that song, so I'm not going to sing that song. Why do they always got to do these songs? I wish they would have done this style, not that style. That's not what worship is. It's not about personal preference. It's not about your likes or dislikes. It's about a personal revelation of who God is. And in return, you worship Him. It puts your focus on Him. I heard this quote by worship pastor Rick Pino who said this, You'll never worship past your understanding of the worth of God. You'll never worship past your understanding of the worth or the magnitude or the greatness of God, he says. The more understanding you have of God's immense worth, the more extravagant your worship. Would you agree with that? Could you imagine if this roof was just lifted off and we saw God and his grandeur and his might and his power? What would you do? Would you sit there and be like, what a mighty God we serve. Oh, this is a good song. What a mighty God. No. You wouldn't. And I'm not trying to ridicule those who, who, who worship like that. But I'm saying, as we have an increased understanding of the worth of God, our worship will grow even more extravagant. So those who are the most extravagant worshipers have the greatest revelation of who God is. 
Those who, who let it all out in worship are those who have seen the power of God move in their life. And they are grateful to a mighty God. It reminds me of the story in Luke where Jesus goes to a, 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 a ruler's house, a, a, a religious leader's house, and they invite him in and he's having dinner with them. And typically they would enter their homes and they would wash their feet and you know, anoint their head and the, the religious leader didn't do any of that. So Jesus is just sitting there eating. And this woman, the, uh, Luke puts it, a woman of the city, which was a nice, polite way of saying a prostitute entered. She was, she was not a, a good girl, right? Maybe they would call her Cochina. <laughs> and she came in. And she, <laughs> I don't know if that's appropriate or not, but she was not a, she was not a good girl. She came, she came in. She falls at Jesus' feet, and she starts to wash his feet with her tears. And she begins to dry his feet with her hair. And all the religious leaders around there were like, man, if Jesus, I thought he was a prophet. If he, if he knew what kind of woman this was, he would not allow her to touch him. And Jesus turns to them and he says, her sins, which are many, are forgiven because she loves much. But those who feel like they've been forgiven little, love very little. He's saying to them, if you love me, if, you've been, if you know how much you've been forgiven, then you love with that kind of extravagance. But if you feel like, eh, I'm a pretty good person, I can figure this out, then you don't really love that much. But when you have an understanding of the worth of God and what he's done for your life and what he's transforming you in and inside of you, then you respond with a greater love. Those who have been forgiven much, love much. Those who feel like they've been forgiven little, love very little. Let's be a people who understand how much we've been forgiven. Let's be a people who are not afraid to love on our God because of what he's done in our lives. He's changed me. He's radically transformed me. Y'all, you wouldn't have liked me if you knew me before. I really gave my heart to Jesus. Maybe some of you are saying, I don't really like you now. But that's a different story. But I have been transformed by the goodness and the love of God. And I know that you have too. So let's respond to his greatness and his love. Her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. Number three, worship helps us get out of the way. Worship helps us get out of the way. Why, what does that mean? Sometimes we are our own worst enemies, right? Sometimes we are our own worst critics. When you get alone, man, I'm so stupid. I shouldn't have done that. Why did I act that way? I, I'm just a mess. No one should love me. I should be all alone. I should die alone, right? We are our own worst critics. I'll never get it right. I'm not smart enough. I'm not handsome enough. I'm not, I, ain't few, I don't feel cute all the time. You always have these these disparaging words that often we give ourselves. And sometimes we want to change, but we find ourselves going back into the same old habits and doing the same old things, and only we turn inwardly and continue to spout hate towards ourselves. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 7, verse 15. He says this, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. He's saying, there are things in me that cause me to continue to do the things 
I hate, but when we worship God, we're allowing ourselves to get out of our own way because we put our focus on Jesus. And instead of thinking about, oh, I can't sing, I don't do this right, or I'm this, no, we turn our focus to Him. And we turn our focus to Him, then He illuminates who we are in Him. I would always say that, that your self-talk, because you talk to yourself more than you talk to anybody else, your self-talk has to be in reflection of who God says you are and not what you feel like in the moment. Because you'll beat yourself up and tear yourself down. But if you would look in the mirror and say, no, God says I am loved, I am redeemed, I am whole, I am free, then, then you, be, you begin to do that. But the only way to do that is to, to really know who God is and begin to look at Him first and see what He says about you. See what His Word says about you. Worship helps us overcome when we take our eyes off of self and put it on Him. Number four. Number four, worship confronts pain and loss. Worship confronts pain and loss. How does it do that? King David demonstrates it. There's a story in 2 Samuel where David had messed up, but he's going to have a baby, and he found out the baby was going to die, and so he went into his inner chamber and he just cried out to God. He fasted and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed, but the baby still died. I don't know, I don't know what that feels like. I never want to know what that feels like to lose a baby. But then it says, the Bible tells us that he gets up, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 20, and it says this, Then David arose from the earth, washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and he worshipped. It's so important that in times of loss, and times of pain, we move toward God rather than away from Him. There are moments in your life where the enemy is going to attack you and hoping that he will break you just enough that you'll blame God and run from Him. But there are no moments in life, whether whatever pain you're going through or a loss of, of anything in your life, that God is to blame. He's the one who can restore you, not the one to push you away. The enemy is hoping that you will run from him, but in those moments, you, hopefully you would say, I'm in such pain, I'm so broken, I'm in such great agony, agony, I need God more than ever. Let me run to him. And when you run to him, he comforts you, he loves you, he reminds you who you are, and he reminds you, you can trust him, and he holds you. Worship confronts pain and loss. When we go through the hardest things in life, we run to him, not away from him. The last one, number five. Worship celebrates who God is and what he's done. It celebrates who God is and what he's done. A good illustration of that, Psalm 100, 1 through 5. This is David writing. He says this, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. So enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and bless His name. Verse 5, For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness is to all generations. 
Worship celebrates who God is. We worship God because the psalm says he is good. Do you know that God is good? He's always good. He's always good. He's always doing things for your good. He's never out to get you. He's not angry with you. God is not a spiteful God. He's a good God. And we praise him because he's always good. We praise him because he loves us. His love is unrelenting towards us. He is continually pouring out his love to us so that we would feel him and know him and turn to him. He loves us and he is faithful. Even when we're not faithful, even when we're wandering around doing our own things, he's like, I'm not leaving you. I'm not turning my back on you. I love you. He's faithful. Even when we're not faithful. His love endures forever. It's steadfast, which meaning it's just constant. It's like a constant flow from heaven of love being poured out over you. So we, we acknowledge it, we see it, and we celebrate. We celebrate. We remember what he's done for us, and we worship him. Does anybody in the house today remember what God has done for you? Do you remember what God has done for you? Where God has taken you from? Let that memory drive your worship. Let that memory drive your worship. So here's what I want you to do starting today. I want you to actively engage in worship every day. I want you to actively engage in worship every day. And if you begin to do that, as you begin to say, I want to worship the Lord, ask God to reveal more of himself to you. Ask the Lord to reveal more of himself to you so that your worship will increase. Because the greater your revelation of God, the more extravagant your worship will become. Can I say it again? The greater your revelation of God, the more extravagant your worship will become. And I believe that as we do this as a people deciding to actively engage in worship every day, that we'll begin to walk in more freedom. That we'll begin to walk in more hope. That we'll begin to walk with more boldness. That we'll be able to understand and experience our purpose here on earth as we worship God. He gives these things to us. I don't know if you need freedom today. I don't know if you need healing in areas of your heart. I don't know what kind of what kind of things you're going through in life, but I can guarantee you, you are going through something because that's what it is to be human. We go through hard stuff. But God says, I have the solution to your problem. Turn to me. Worship me. Seek me. And I'll give you these things over your life. I'll help you find your purpose. Walk with boldness. Walk with freedom. You can walk with integrity. I believe that you'll have a greater understanding of God's worth in your life if we continue to worship Him. And less and less things will be able to shake you and trip you up because you are building your foundation every day on the worship of God. Every day. Could you imagine waking up in the morning, God, I love you, I worship you, thank you, I praise you, I honor you, I devote myself to you today. Nothing else is going to take my attention. Nothing else is going to distract me from knowing who you are. I love you, God. And then you walk outside, someone says something bad to you, like, I'm devoted to God. I ain't got time to deal with that. (laughs) Someone cuts you off, hey, bless you, brother. I hope that you drive safe. You know, that's a stretch, but you know, something. (laughs) It's going to take time. The Lord's going to do it someday. 
But imagine how that would change how you react and respond to things around you when you set your focus first on Jesus. So I want that to happen, and my prayer would be that you would make worship such a big priority in your life that if someone, if there was an auditor of your life that would evaluate your life from the outside, they'd be able to see how genuine and how real your love is for Jesus by the way you worship him. That's what I'd love to see. People can tell, man, Renee, Renee worships God. There's something different about him. He responds differently. He, he values time with God. He sets time aside with God. What is it about, man? There's, he's light. He's, he, he sounds like he's got joy. There's, there's something different about him. Well, he's made worship a priority. They would look at Debbie. They'd say, Debbie, man, there's, seems like she's, she steps a little lighter. She's got a, there's just something in her. There's just something different about her. Well, she's made worship a priority. And it changes how she responds to everything else around her. Genuine worship. If people were to evaluate our life, what would they say we value the most? What would they say we worship? Here's what I want to do to help you remember. Because sometimes I'll tell you, hey, I want you to do this this week. And you're like, yeah, let's do it. I'm all for it. Then you leave here and you're like, what's for lunch? And you're like, black bear again? No. What was pastor calling us to do? I don't remember. My stomach's growling. So I want to help you. I want to help you remember to actively engage every day this week. So this is what I want you to do. As you walk out these doors this morning, we're going to have ushers giving you a 3 by 5 index card that I want you to write down just something that you're thankful for. It might be a whole list of things. You might want to get a piece of paper if you're like, I know, I got a lot of stuff to be thankful for. Or if you just want to think of one thing, that God, I am thankful that you've done this in my life. I want you to take it home and I want you to put it on your bathroom mirror. Why your bathroom mirror? Because most likely that's going to be the first thing you see in the morning. That's going to be the last thing you see at night before you go to bed. I might put mine on the fridge because I also frequent that a lot, but... No, the bathroom mirror is what I want you to put. Put it on the bathroom mirror and then, and then read it when you wake up in the morning. God, I thank you that you love me, that you set me free from this and this. Allow that to spur worship inside of you. Because that's what worship is. Giving honor, respect, devotion, and reverence to the only one who is worthy of it. And we be, when we become thankful and grateful for what he's doing in our lives, it's much easier for us to worship him. This is what I want you to do. I want you to do it. Take it home. Tape it on the mirror. And make it a habit. And if you get tired of thanking them for that, take out another piece of paper and write something else. I don't think you'll get tired of it, though. Because we're all grateful for something that God is doing. And if you can't think of something, tell them you're thankful for something He's going to do. Thank you for healing my marriage. Thank you for saving my babies. Even if they're not serving Jesus yet. And give him thanks anyway for what he's about to do. But would you do that? Because I want us to be a church that actively engages in worship. Because I believe our worship will be radically transformed on Sunday if we worship him every day of the week. Because when we come in here, then we're just celebrating what God's been doing the whole week. And so when you come in, you don't have to, it's not a struggle to get into it. You're like, ah, oh, homeboy ain't singing and on beat, you know. It's like... You know, you're, you're not struggling. I, I don't really like this song. No, you've already been like, God is doing something. 
God is already working. Thank you, God. I don't like this song, but you're still good. I love you. You know, if we would do that throughout the week, I just know that God would do something on Sundays here and in our homes on Monday and at work on Tuesday and our kids' school on Wednesday. And then he'll love us even more on in and out on Thursday. Me and Ed's on Friday. Pizza day. He'll do something if we'll begin to say, God, thank you. Thank you.